Judges chapter 15. Judges chapter 15. Now here's what's going on with Samson. Well, he's supposed to, he wanted this Philistine lady for a wife. His mom and dad didn't agree with it. So he, we, we, and what we learned when we studied that in, in Judges 14 is that Samson was basically playing around with sin. He was playing around with sin. And then at the end, uh, he lost out in his riddle. They figured out his riddle thanks, thanks to his wife, soon to be wife. His fiance, let's say, the Bible don't call her a fiance, but we would call her in such a fiance. They figured it out through her. So when they figured, when they figured it out, he got mad. He lost the bet. He went down, killed a bunch of men, got their clothes, brought their clothes back. And then, and then he, when, he got, when he left, verse 20 of chapter 14, but Samson's wife was given to his companion whom he had used as his friend. So you see, Samson was a user. He just had friends and he used them. We say that today. Do you ever have friends who feel like you were used by them? That's how Samson used his friends. What you're finding out, and we found this out in Sunday school morning, that uh, the Bible shows you all the character of a man. It shows you the good traits. shows you all the bad traits. That's how you know. One reason why you know it's written by God. Because yeah. Moses, if Moses wrote the first five books of the, New, of, of, the, of, the, of the Old Testament, and it shows so much bad stuff on Moses, you know Moses didn't write that. Because if we wrote our own book, we'd show us, we'd be like Superman. And Moses had all kinds of problems and, and, and sins. But here Samson is in chapter 15, verse 1, but it came to pass within a while after. And the time of wheat harvest, and that time would have been, at that time would have been around June in, in the Holy Land, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. Now that kid is like a kid goat or a kid lamb, a little lamb or a little goat. But what's interesting about that is, remember what he called his, 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 his this same woman, what he called her back then in Judges 14? He called her a heifer. See, you've been plowing with my heifer, or you wouldn't have figured it out. So when he brings her a kid, in Gen according to Genesis chapter 38, that's the price of a harlot. When you, when you wanted a harlot, when the price of a harlot was a kid, was a goat, a little goat like that. So it's almost like Samson's, you know, well, I mean, who knows what Samson's doing here, but it implies that Samson's like saying, you're nothing but a harlot, here's a, here's a kid goat like he's paying her. He's like still mad at her kind of thing. But that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said... Samson said, I will go in to my wife into the chamber, but her father will not suffer him to go in. So he shows up. He wants to consummate the marriage. He goes, well, I'm going to the bedroom. And, go, and the father says, no, 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 I can't let you be doing that. Verse 2. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion, which we know to be true from Judges 14. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. So the father said, oh, no, man, you can't go in there. I already gave her to your companion, your friend. I let, I let her be his wife. But her sister, man, isn't she a lot better looking than her? Take her. Well, that's not going to go well with Samson. Verse 3, And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes. <laughs> And took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. He took these foxes, he tied them together, tied their tails together, put a firebrand on there. We'd call it like a torch or something. And verse 5, and when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks, that's the harvested, and also the standing corn, the unharvested, with the vineyards and olives. He just burned all their stuff to the ground. That's what, you know, that's what they get according to his way of thinking. Hey, you take my wife? Okay, well, I'm going to burn everything down you have. Verse 6, Then the Philistines said, 
Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Temanite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her fi father with fire. Now what makes that interesting is they do burn them alive with fire. What makes that interesting, these same people had threatened her with the same thing. Remember? When she wouldn't tell them the riddle, they said, if you don't tell us the riddle of Samson's, I'm going to burn you, we're going to burn you up with fire and your father and your whole house. So what, I, what that shows you there in verse 6 is when somebody threatens you with something, you better take them serious. Amen? You have people threaten you with something? You say, well, they didn't do it that time. Well, you better take them serious. In verse 6. So what we're going to look at this morning with Samson, and I love Samson. I mean, a guy that's going to gather together 300 foxes, you've got to like a guy like that. <laughs> He's going to show us as Christians the three things you need. There's three things every Christian needs to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And Samson, Samson displays them in these verses I just read to you. I'm going to show you the three things that every Christian needs to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray, Father, that... Your Holy Spirit will preach this morning, Lord God. Lead us, guide us, Lord. And I pray, Father, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord. I pray you'd cover these people with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray a hedge of protection around this room, Lord God. And I thank you for the fellowship we have in here and the friendship, Lord. And, Father, I thank you for these people, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for your words. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that we'll be able to glean from them what we can from the story of Samson, Lord, that we can take from here what we need to know and how we need to live, Lord, to better serve you as an ambassador of Christ. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Samson's going to show us three things you need to know. And the first one's found. Three things you need to do to be a, to, what you need to know to be a good servant of Christ. Look at verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. You need to be motivated. The first thing you need to remember and know about Samson was he was motivated. Samson was a very motivated man. And when he got motivated, he did some crazy things. You're going to see Samson do some crazy things. Because I'm going to do a series of sermons on and off. Not, maybe not every, every other Sunday. But every, one Sunday that I can pick out, I'll do another sermon on Samson. But what you're going to see through the story of Samson was he's a very motivated man. But here where Samson, what Samson's motivated here is by what? In verse 3, what is Samson motivated at? He's motivated by revenge. Now, brothers and sisters, you can't be that motivated. You can't be motivated by revenge. Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. You can't be motivated by revenge. A Christian's not allowed to be motivated by revenge. Now, I'm motivated by revenge by a lot of things I do, but those are sins. So like when you're in Walmart and somebody makes you really mad, and you just want to take your cart, your, got your shopping cart, and you want to run them, you know, hit them, and do whatever you want to do to them at Walmart, that's called revenge. And when I joke around about doing that, <laughs> please don't take me serious and go over there and do something stupid like that. I just think these things out. We all think them, amen, but that's a sin. We're supposed to put those thoughts under the obedience of Christ, those revengeful sins, because I'm a vengeful guy. Anybody else in here vengeful? Boy, we're pretty quiet in here. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all are not, because after that Sunday school sermon uh, teaching we did, I'm glad y'all are not vengeful. Verse 19, Romans 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. 
So a Christian's not allowed to revenge. A Christian's not allowed to get vengeance. Why are you not allowed to get vengeance? Uh, what if you're wrong? You ever thought about that? <laughs> what if you get vengeance and uh, you were wrong? Why don't you just let the Lord handle it? Because if you let the Lord handle it, He always does it best. I'm here to tell you the times that I've let sit back when somebody's done me really, really wrong, I mean, in the ministry especially, associated with this church, and they've done me really, really wrong. And I, I mean, I think they've done me wrong, amen. Maybe I was wrong. So what I do is I say, Lord, I don't know. I just feel like I've been done wrong, Lord, but I'm going to ask you for the strength to be able to get over this, this vengeful spirit I have, this vengeful heart. Just cover me in precious blood. Give me the grace to bear it. And it's amazing how I can bear it. And I turn it over to him, and I say, Lord, I just want you to handle it. Oh, boy, he handles it all right. He handles it really, really well. The Lord does a good job. We are not motivated by vengeance, but we need to be motivated. Amen. We need to have motivation. We need to be motivated. What is a Christian motivated by? A Christian is motivated by one simple word love. Love. Simple love. A Christian is always motivated by love. If you're motivated for, by any other reason, then you're not doing it for the right reason. Amen. If you're doing it to be seen of men or for somebody to look on you and to pat you on the back, uh, that's not the right reason. That's not the right motivation. A Christian is motivated by love. A love for others. Amen. Amen. A love for others. We're motivated, for our love by, we're motivated by love for others. We see an other, somebody else and we feel sorry for them and we feel compassionate for them. We want to fix their problem. We want to help them with their problem. We want to help them with whatever they can. We want to help them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's a love you can have for other per people. That's, mo that's a motivating factor. And every Christian that's going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ needs to have that motivation. And you need to be motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. Because to be truthful, there's other people out there in the world, they're really, 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 really hard to love. <laughs> and if you don't know those people, you come back to church and I'll give you a list. It's a long one, so stay, we're going to be late here. You're going to miss a lot of the cowboy game, but I'll give you a list. They're really, 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 did I say really? Really hard to love. So you're going to have to have a motivation, not for the love for them, but a motivation for the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that He wants you to do something for Him. That's the right motivation. Today's Christians are motivated for a love of money. Amen. Today's Christians, a lot of them are motivated for a love of money, a love of sports, a love of themselves. They're motivated by the love of the world. They're motivated for the love of everything but a love of others and the love of Jesus Christ. What bothers me so much, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm being too hard. Y'all tell me, am I being too hard about this? Because I drive down the road and we get out there, we as a church try to hold up signs. And they have scripture signs. Some of them say, you know, I stand with Israel. Some of them are just scripture signs. And we'll stand at the corner at Hamilton. We'll stand there in Brownwood. We'll just hold up the scripture signs. And, you know, if you've been doing that for any length of time, you're going to get the people that drive by, and they're going to honk and give you the one-finger salute. They'll call you a donkey, but not the nice word for a donkey. I've been called a jack. They'll call you every word. And poor Brother Collins, the first time I ever did any of that with him, he got cussed out by some lady or something. Yeah, 
you know, something. I can't, she was yelling at him. I don't know if she cussed him, but she was yelling pretty good. And I laughed. I thought it was funny. But then I drive down on a Saturday. And lo and behold, it seems like it's on both sides of the road. You have people out there and they're supporting their love of their sports team. And they'll have signs out there. We're doing a car wash, you know. And they'll be out there like this. And I'm not talking about the young kids. I'm not making fun of the young kids. God bless the kids doing that. The kids are trying to do what they can do to raise up money. But I see a lot of the parents out there. The love of the sports team. Y'all remember in Brownwood when they had the pizza idiot on the corner? Y'all remember the pizza idiot? Brother Toby remembers the pizza idiot. Pizza idiot, he would dress up like a pizza. And a pizza outfit like this. And he had like a box of pizza. And it was, I think it's for CeCe's or something. He'd get on the corner and he'd spin that box around. And that guy was crazy. He'd dance. He'd do all this. And then whenever he got fired at that job, he turned into the Statue of Liberty idiot. He wore a Statue of Liberty suit. And then he'd be over there. And he'd dance. He'd do all this other stuff. Well, see, I was out there street preaching one time on the corner. And I'm out there street preaching. And he's on the other corner doing his pizza stuff. Well, somebody called the cops on me. They didn't call the cops on the pizza idiot because he's out here doing this and spinning around, doing all this, and making all these noises. And I'm out there just saying, Thus saith the Lord. And they called the cops not on him, they called them on me. Woo! Here comes the lady cop. She comes up, gets out, comes over, talks to me. She said, uh, Yeah, I had somebody call in on you. I said, Oh, really? So, what am I doing wrong? She said, Well, I can't really see what you're doing wrong. I said, Well, I'm not doing anything more than what that guy right there is doing. <laughs> and he's doing it a lot more wilder. <laughs> Amen? A lot more wilder. I mean, he's a lot more entertaining, actually. You know what she said? She said, you know what? You're right. I don't see you doing anything wrong. I said, let me, she said, let me call my boss. So she called the chief, talked to the chief. She told the chief, I'm down. I heard her. I'm down here. This guy, da, da, told the situation. She gets the phone to him. She goes, you know what? I'm going to leave it alone. Just go back doing what you're going to do. I said, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And that lady still to this day works for the uh, police department. And when I see her, I've talked to her a couple of times. I've said, thank I was the one that was out street preaching that time, and I want to thank you for not, doing, not running me off. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. And her face is so red because she's like, this is the idiot that I've... I know she looks at me weird, but you know what I know about her life? I've looked back and I've said, I'll see her, because there's stuff happening to her, to her life. And I was like, there's where God blesses her. 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 Why are you so certain God's blessed her, Brother Keegan? I know for a fact he's blessed her. Because she took a stand for me when she could have run me off. And I had no right to stay. But these same people, they go crazy to hold up the signs and run out in the middle of the traffic for the sports teams and everything. When you say, hey, we're going to go down to the courthouse, going, I can't believe those people are down there. They're, they're making a fool. They shouldn't be down there. They're making a fool for Christ. Where are those people at? They're not motivated. They're motivated for the sports team. They're motivated to raise money, but they're not motivated for Jesus Christ. You think, I want to waste a Saturday down there? Don't you think there's better things I could do? Amen. But when we decide to do it, we go down. Why do we do it? Because we're motivated for a love for Jesus Christ because we want the world to know that Jesus Christ loves them and that Christ loves us and we love Jesus Christ. It's the right motivation. It's called zeal in the Bible. Look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Verse 
If you're following along with me, it's Titus chapter 2. Now, Titus is after 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Right before Hebrews, you're going to find Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. It's called zeal in the Bible. The word motivation or motivated, is not, you're not going to find that in the Bible. I don't believe. I say that now that my mind, now the Lord made the Holy Spirit saying, hey, do you know that idiot? I'm like, well, I don't think it's in the Bible. I know it's zeal. Zeal's in the Bible. Now look at verse, chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, talking about Christ, zealous, zealous of good works. Samson was motivated, but he was motivated for the wrong thing. But he was motivated. He got motivated. Something happened. He said, you know what? I'm going to do something about that. And as Christians, we should say, you know what? I'm going to do a good work. I'm going to be zealous about it. It's a lot more exciting to be around Christians that are zealous and they make lots of mistakes than to be around dead, sleeping Christians. I've been around both. I've been down in Pensacola, and you go down there, and you get about 400 young men that, that are trying to uh, uh, serve the Lord and be pastors, and they're singing and shouting and screaming and taking the, the pews and throw, I mean the, uh, the, the, the hymnals, and they're taking hymn books and they're throwing them at the front of the church, and I'm like, what in the world have I gotten into? These people are nuts. But it's still fun. And then you get around some church, you go into the churches, and they're, they're using the same Bible we're using, they're using the same hymn books we're using. You go in there and they say, man, this is a good Bible-believing church. You sit down, and it's just as dead as a doorknob. And I've wondered that. I'm like, they got the Holy Spirit, they're saved. We got the same. Why, why is this place so dead? And the only thing I can figure, figure out is they just don't have the zeal anymore. They've lost the motivation. And they're ready, I just don't want to do it. I just want to sit down. He credits you and redeems you to, for a peculiar people, according to verse 14, for zealous of good works. Hey, we need to be zealous. Being zealous is a good thing. Galatians chapter 4. I'll, I'll read that to you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 18. It's okay to be zealous. Guys, it's okay to be happy for the Lord. It's okay to come to church like you, and act like you do at a football game. That's okay. Okay, so don't, don't when I'm up here, and I'm, I'm standing up here, and I know some of y'all probably have judgment call stuff, and I'll, we'll start singing, and I can't help it, man. My, 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 I just kind of got to move a little bit. I, just, my, I get all wiggly and everything. And I get excited for the Lord. And every once in a while, I shout something out. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All that. Now, don't be I wish he'd be quiet. And then, I don't want to hear about last Friday you were at the game, just, get him, kill him! <laughs> I don't want to hear about that nonsense. I think if you're going to go to the football game and you're going to cheer and clap and yell, then you should be able to come in the, into the, the house of God and say, hey God, I'm going to cheer and I'm going to clap for you and I'm going to yell because I love you. Maybe you love sports just a little too much. Galatians 4.18 Paul says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. It's good for you. Be motivated. Samson was motivated. Samson had a motivation and he used it. He used that motivation. Let me tell you the greatest thing about, and the Bible tells us, the Bible's about to tell us. The greatest thing about being zealous and having zeal and being motivated is that it is contagious. 
Look at 2 Corinthians. Just turn back maybe just a few pages in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Bible tells us that. When you, get, when you get excited for the Lord, it gets other people excited for the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. When you get excited for the Lord and motivated for the Lord, it's going to get other people motivated for the Lord. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, because he's boasting to Macedonians about the Corinthians, that Achaia was ready a year ago. And look, and your zeal, your zeal, the end of verse 2, your zeal hath provoked very many. What Paul's telling them is, hey, your zeal for the Lord, it's provoking other people. It's getting other people zealous. It's getting other people excited. Guys, do you think Sister Alice asked me if she could say amen? Do you think she said, hey, is it okay for me to say amen? <laughs> she just said amen. Do you think Brother Raymond asked me, hey, I'm going to pop off in church and say something. Do you mind me doing that? Do you think he ever asked me? He just did it. He was zealous. He was zealous. Sister Alice was zealous. You say, well, the church is losing some of its zeal. I come into church and everybody's just sitting on their hands. Why not, why not you be the spark? Amen? So don't complain to me and say, well, everybody's sitting there, nobody says amen. Well, are you saying amen? I just gave an example of a woman, gave an example of a man. Both of these this brother and sister in Christ were zealous for the Lord and they didn't mind being embarrassed by it. Well, of course, they weren't embarrassed, amen. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what you need to do? Just get, get, get out of your little box of, of, of worrying about what everybody thinks about you and say, you know what? I'm going to embarrass myself and just go, amen, and peep one out. We're not Southern Baptists, Amen. Why y'all act like Southern Baptists? We can say amen. The women can say amen. We can get excited for the Lord Jesus. Hey, we got the best thing going. It's Jesus Christ. Man, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be zealous and motivated for the Lord. Back in, back in Judges, and we're going to continue this now. Let's look at the second thing that Samson shows us about what every Christian needs to serve the Lord. Every Christian needs. The first thing every Christian needs is motivation, zeal. And if you say, I'm not very zealous, well, then you can get zealous. You can work yourself into zealously. You can, you can make yourself excited for something. You say, well, that's just being in the flesh. Well, everybody else is in the flesh, too. I've heard a brother say that. I, we were at church one time, and this brother got excited. And he's yelling, amen. He jumped up. He was going crazy. He said, amen, praise the Lord, praise. He was all excited and everything. And that brother's like, he's in the flesh. Well, so are you. Amen? So are you, what's the difference? He's in the flesh praising the Lord. You're in the flesh judging somebody. Who do you think God's looking down on? And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. So in Judges chapter 15, verse 4. Judges chapter 15, verse 4. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. The second thing every Christian needs is they need imagination. And you might not have thought I, would go, I was going to say that, but you do. You need an imagination. You need to be imaginative. 
Samson was very imaginative. All Samson had to do was like, I'm going to burn the fields down. Go down, get a torch, and light the fields up. Right, I'm going to light these fields up. That's not what Samson did. Amen? God loves to tell a good story. He loves to tell a good story through your life. And the reason why we're reading this story about Samson this morning is because he didn't just burn the fields down. He burned the fields down with 300 foxes he had caught. He's imaginative. But you know what happened with Samson? Now, the Bible don't say this, but I'm assuming this happened. Samson's thinking, you know what? I'm going to burn these fields down, and I'm going to... And then Samson started thinking, he goes, but you know, I could get a lot more done if I had somebody helping me. <laughs> right? I could really serve the Lord if I had somebody helping me. Well, I don't have nobody who's going to help me. All my friends have forsaken me. My, one, my best friend, he's went and married my wife. That's why I'm going to burn it down. I'm going to burn it. You know, he gets, starts getting vengeful again. And then he stops and starts thinking, goes, well, what if I caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together and then put like a brand, a torch on there and let them up there and ran them through the fields? <laughs> That'll do it. Amen. You know what that fox represents in the Bible? A fox represents a wicked person. You know, when Herod, Herod was questioning Jesus, Jesus told them, you go tell that old fox. That's what Jesus called Herod. You go tell that old fox. That fox represents an evil person. Samson puts the foxes to work for him. Amen. What I'm trying to say is, Christians need to put the world to work for us. And use the world for our own good. Is the internet evil? Oh, yeah. There's so much evil on the internet. You've you got to be careful what you even Google up without some filth coming up on your screen. But you know what we can do as Christians? We can use that for the glory of God. And have. Is Facebook wicked? Oh, yeah. I kicked Facebook from the beginning to the end. I have kicked Facebook so much. I feel almost like a hypocrite even using Facebook as a platform to put my videos on. But I'm going to use them. That old fox, what's that idiot that owns Facebook, the one that's so wicked? What's his name? That old fox, I'm using him to get the glory of Jesus Christ out, to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. We'll use that old fox. And we'll take that old fox and we'll set his, his tail on fire and we'll kick him through the field. Amen. I got that stuff up on YouTube. You like YouTube? Man, that thing's full of such filth. But we got the gospel out there. Media. We can use all of this stuff. Newspaper. Newspaper's full of such lies, but we've used the newspaper to get the gospel message out. Guys, a Christian should be imaginative and say, how can I put those foxes to use for me? And guys, I need some help. And this is a plea to you guys. If you come up with something, you get zealous for the Lord, and you come up with some imaginative way to do things, glory to God, let's try it. You'd be surprised what I'd be all gung-ho for. I'm pretty gung-ho for a lot of stuff. I'm ready to put some foxes' tails to light them up and kick them out. Let's do some stuff. Let's do some stuff for the Lord. You know who was great at this? I tell you somebody who was wonderful, that had a wonderful imagination of how to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ out. And every one of y'all think have met him. Brother Bill Eubanks. That brother over there, one day he wakes up and he's like, you know what? Kind of like Samson here. You know what? I'd like to get the gospel to the Catholics. Well, where are the most Catholics at? Over in Rome. Where, where, would, I have, where would I be able to hit the most Catholics at? Right there at the Vatican. Well, they're not going to let me in with gospel tracts at the Vatican. But what if I was to learn to fly 
get about 300-something 300, 300 pounds of gospel tracks. I can learn how to fly, get a Cessna, fly up, and then dump all the tracks over the Vatican. That's, that's crazy, guys. And that brother did that. He learned to fly. He rented a Cessna, a little bitty plane. Poor Janet, talk Janet in it. Janet gets in the plane with him. I mean, who would be crazy enough to get in a plane with Bill Eubanks? Learns <laughs> He flies over, flies over the Vatican, and they're like dumping all the tracks out there. Don't you know what they were wondering? The, the Vatican police and all that were wondering when they seen all these leaflets come floating down. And well, I know what the Italian government did. They sent out jets. And they escorted him right down into the airport. Ooh. And Brother Eubanks said, I knew I was going to be in prison the rest of my life, but I didn't care. That's zealousy. He's zealous. He's zealous for the Lord. But he's imaginative. They wrote a book about it. But the Lord, being graceful to stupid idiots like me and Brother Eubanks, he gets in there, and the Italian government was having some problems at the time. So the Italian government said, we're going to let you go. And for some God only knows reason, they actually let Bill and Janet out. And as soon as they left that building, Bill said, I, went, I took two steps, went to the taxi, said, take me to the airport. They went to the airport. He said, I want the nearest, I want the quickest ticket out of here to America. And they flew to America like as quick as they could. Never did return to Italy. God let them go. <laughs> you know what Bill did? Ooh, I got away with that one. I'm going to behave myself the rest of my life. Not Brother Bill Eubanks. That brother, he called me all the time. Hey, Brother Keegan, I got this idea. I got this idea. Brother Keegan, I got this idea. Oh, I got an idea for you. I'm like, Brother Bill, I can't be doing that. What you need to do, brother, is you need to buy your radio, radio, radio equipment. You need to start a radio station there, and you need to broadcast from there, broadcast your sermons, broadcast gospel music. You need to buy all this. I'm like, Brother Bill, I don't... And then he would call me up and say, hey, I got another idea. We're gonna put, I'm going to put Jesus saves, and I'm going to put it on this banner. And you know how you're driving down the interstate, and you have those little, those, uh, the, 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 the uh, bridges are overhanging, and the byways, and pie. he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hang them on those fences on every interstate all over America. And that's what he was doing before he went to Africa. That's a crazy idea, and he was doing it. We need more Christians like that. Where do we need them? In this very church. Some of you guys are so intelligent, so imaginative. And I just wish I could beg and plead you to say, to, to put that imagination to the Lord's work. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Verse 4. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. The last thing you need to know, and this is the third one, and this is the last one. You know you need to be motivated. You know you need to have an imagination like, like Samson did with his imagination to gather 300 foxes. But the last one, and I think... In some ways, this can be just as important as all the other, the other two that I give you. Faithfulness. You need to be faithful. See there in verse 4, And Samson went and caught 300 foxes. I want you to think about this for a second. How long, if I said, hey, I'll give you $100,000 if you bring me 300 foxes. How long do you think that would take you? Now think about it. I mean, just be serious. 
Think about it. How long would it take you to catch? Now, you realize foxes don't necessarily run in packs. They kind of they 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 have families. Like they'll be they'll be the they'll be the male and the female, and they'll have little cubs. But when the cubs get old enough, they'll go out on their own. They'll have little cubs. The point they don't run in packs like wolves do, where you might be able to catch you know 15, 20, 25 in a pack and gather them all up. It takes a lot of time and hard work to gather up 300 foxes. What are foxes known for being? Cunning. They'll hide out. You need to be faithful. And Samson was faithful. Samson was motivated. He was zealous. He had a great imagination. He come up with this great idea. And he goes, man, this will work. This will be great. But it's going to take me a little while. And I'm going to have to be faithful. Be faithful to it. Very faithful to it. It would take time and hard work to catch 300 foxes. Just to be faithful can be the greatest trait a Christian can have. Just to be faithful. See, 15 years ago, there were some members of this church and almost, well, every one of them are gone now. Every single one of them gone. They've all either passed away or moved on. But when I came up here, they were faithful to try to keep this church going. None of y'all were here. Amen. I mean, I'm not picking on y'all or saying anything, but y'all just were where y'all were at. But they were here, and they were faithful. And y'all hadn't come here yet. And they were faithful, and they said, you know what? We're going to be here. And there were like two of us here. Let's have Wednesday night services. I'd show up for Wednesday night service. There'd be one person here for Wednesday night service. Show up the next Wednesday night. Let's have Wednesday night service again. There'd be two people here. So for when, let's have Wednesday night service again. We show up the third Wednesday night service. There were five people here for Wednesday night service. Praise the Lord, it's growing. Showed up for like the fourth Wednesday night service. There were zero people here. It was just me and my son. And we were, I remember looking out those back windows at the door. And I was looking at this like, well, I guess we're just going to, let's just pray, son. So we come up here and we prayed, gathered everything together, and we left. You know what happened next Wednesday? We showed up. And there were like one or two show up. My point to you is, somebody was faithful to keep this church going when it looked hopeless. Before I got here, there was a dear sister, Mrs. Sider, that kept this church going when it was abandoned. Abandoned by the Southern Baptist Convention, abandoned by everybody in the community. She would come in, she would open the doors on Sunday, she would teach her grandkids the Bible, and she kept it going and was faithful. The best ability you can have is availability. And listen to me, guys. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. If you will just be faithful, and when it, when be faithful when it looks like it's hopeless. It's easy, to be it's easy to be full of faith when everything's going great and the church is full and things are running great. But when things start falling apart and things don't look like it's going to work, are you still going to be faithful to the Lord? Faithfulness. Paul, uh, Samson was faithful. After a hundred foxes and it took him a lot of hard work, he thinks, well, I don't know, I need about 200 more of these. Man, this is going to be a lot of hard work. What do you think kept him faithful? I think what kept him faithful was his motivation. See, it kind of is circular. 
You're zealous, you're motivated, and it keeps you faithful, and it keeps you imaginative because you want to do something for the Lord because you're so zealous, and then you're motivated, so that keeps you faithful, and then the faithfulness helps out when the motivation's starting waning, and then you come back, and it's like a circular thing. Motivated, imaginative. What can I do for the Lord that's out of the box? How can I be out of the box and catch a fox? You're motivated, you're imaginative, and then you're faithful when it doesn't look like it's going to work. You know how it is. We come into this church sometimes, and this is dead as a doorknob. I can't explain it. It's, it's just nobody's saying amen. The sermon's no good. The, don't feel like the Holy Spirit's moving. And then you show up. It feels like it's like any other Sunday. It feels like to me, any other Sunday, all of a sudden, whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts moving. It's like, wow, man, that's amazing how the Lord works. It's not me. It's not you. It's up to the Lord. But you've got to be faithful for Him to show up. Yeah, you've got to be here. You've got to be faithful. Can I be so bold as to say this, that Jesus Christ said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. He didn't say, Well done, my good and loving servant. Amen. That's not what he said. It's not in your Bible that way. What Christ says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Just being faithful to what the Lord has for us. Being faithful to what the Lord's called us to do. So when you take all three of those, you combine them, you combine the motivation, you combine the imagination, you combine the faithfulness. Look at verse 5. If you're still there with me, Judges chapter 15, verse 5 in closing. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. When you are motivated and zealous and you get, you get your imagination going, you're saying, I'm going to think outside the box. I'm going to see what I can do that's different. I'm going to see what I can do to serve Jesus Christ. And then when you, you're faithful to that, that imagination, you're faithful to that calling, you're faithful to the, what the Lord has for you to do, when you'll do that, you're going to set the world on fire. Just like Samson set the world on fire. When Samson took his motivation, he took his faithfulness, he took his imagination, and he applied those, what happened? He set that whole world on fire. Just set the whole world on fire. And look at that. It said the shocks, the harvested corn, the standing corn, the unharvested corn. The harvested corn would be like a Christian. The standing corn, the unharvested corn, would be like a lost man or woman. What it's, what it's telling you is this. When, you start being, when you're motivated and you use your imagination and you, you're faithful to that calling, you're not only going to set the world on fire, you're going to set other Christians on fire. For the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. I like what they said in Acts chapter 17. I love this. Acts 17 verse 6. I'll read this to you and then we're closing. I promise. Talking about the Christians. They were on fire for the Lord. They were serving the Lord. They were faithful to the Lord. They were doing all those things we were talking about this morning. And when they finally caught them. They caught Jason. Verse 6, and when they found them not, they drew Jason, and they didn't find Paul inside. They drew Jason and certain brethren into the rulers of the city. And this is what they cried. This is what their accusation against Jason and all the Christians was. This is their ac accusation. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Brothers and sisters, we need to turn the world upside down. 
for Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it through motivation, our zeal. We're going to do it through our imagination. We need to think outside the box. We're not, this, is, this is not the church that we're going to say, hey, we've never, never done it that way before. That's not this church. If you come up with an idea, it's like, we've never done it that way before. We're going to say, let's think about it. Let's pray about it. If it's a crazy enough idea, we're probably going to do it. And then be faithful to that. And guys, for Jesus Christ, we can turn this world upside down. Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. 
I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.